In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Happy New Year. Uh, according to our lectionary, we've actually been in a new year for, uh, for quite some time, since the beginning of Advent. Uh, it is year C, which makes it the year of Luke, the year of St. Luke uh, for Episcopalians. And so in the coming months, you will uh, hear most of our gospel readings on Sundays will be from Luke's gospel. So I think it's a good idea for us at the outset to get some idea, uh, to get a feel for Luke's project, for what he is trying to accomplish in writing his gospel. And the good news is that he tells us right up front in chapter 1 in the introduction St. Luke says, I have carefully investigated everything from the beginning. He interviewed the witnesses, fact-checked the stories, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. So you may know the certainty of the things you've been taught. So Luke tells us up front, he's writing his gospel. He writes the second volume, the Acts of the Apostles, to lay a foundation Because there is a story out there, and like uh, either a good journalist or like Magnum P.I., he is investigating. He's following the leads, determining the veracity or the truth of it all, and then he writes up a report. And the portion of the report that we read today is this little domestic drama, almost an ancient Amber Alert, because a child has gone missing. His parents took him to the city for a festival, and then when the caravan headed back to their village, maybe each parent thought that he was with the other, but after a day on the road, he's nowhere to be found. So imagine, if you will, the, how their parents' hearts were wrenched when they discovered that they had lost their child. There's a frantic search Relatives, friends, nobody knows where the boy is. Until finally they retrace their steps and they find the little boy in the temple back at the festival. Jesus is sitting among the religious leaders, the teachers, listening and asking questions and everyone is amazed. That's the story. It's called the finding in the temple. Sometimes it's called Jesus... uh, uh, called Christ among the doctors. If you pray the rosary, it's one of the five joyful mysteries. It's a central story. And so when we, in fact, it's one of the few stories we have of of Jesus at all between his birth and the beginning of his public ministry. So when we look at it this morning, I want us to try and tease out two things. First, something about God. I think the story tells us something about God. And then it also tells us something about us. Number one, something about God. When Mary and Joseph found Jesus in the temple, they were astonished. His mother said to him, child, you have to say it like a southern mama, I think. Like, child, like I'm going to go upside your head. Why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching in great anxiety. And he said to them, Why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my Father's house? It's that last phrase. 
that I want us to look at for a moment today because it's kind of strange in the original language. So our translation says, I must be in my father's house. But if you read the Greek, the word house is not in there. It's uh, the, the literal construction that Luke uses is weird. He says, literally, in thee, my father, it was necessary to be. And then the translators just kind of snuck house in there. They inferred it and put it into our translation. But that's not the only way to translate it. For instance, in the authorized version, it reads, How is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? So aside from the fact that who says wist anymore, I actually like that translation better because it places the emphasis not on a place, but on a project. Not on where Jesus is, but what Jesus is about. Even as a 12-year-old boy, Jesus was about his father's business. So what was the family business? Well, last Sunday we sang... The words, good Christian friends rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Now ye hear of endless bliss. Jesus Christ was born for this. What is the this in the song? Well, it's here, I think, that art can come to our aid. Lorenzo Lotto was a painter uh, in Renaissance Italy. And in 1523, he completed... Uh, a work, a painting of the nativity that he, that he called Adoration of the Christ Child. Uh, today it hangs in the National Gallery uh, in Washington, which is where I first saw it. And if you look at it, it has all the imagery that you would expect. It's got angels in the sky, the Holy Family, there's Joseph and Mary, uh, the baby Jesus in a, in a little basket, kind of in the shadow of a rough shelter. But in a niche, a little tucked in right behind St. Joseph is an anachronism, something that is out of time. In fact, if you look at the painting, you see that hanging there on the wall behind St. Joseph is a crucifix. It's Jesus hanging on a cross. Christ was born for this the artist seems to say, for the cross. He's not the only one. Caravaggio, uh, the adoration of the shepherds, has uh, a set of carpentry tools right in front of the, of the Christ child. So is this just the trappings of Joseph's occupation? I don't think so. I think it is, these are tools to craft a cross. Even the earliest icons, if you look at them closely, they place Jesus in swaddling clothes that look like grave clothes. They put him in a, in a box that looks, it's more, more grave, more casket than manger. So over and over and over in art and iconography, the nativity falls under the shadow of the cross. This little line, I think, tells us something about God. One commentator says this event was a 
temporary unveiling of Jesus' relationship with his Father, a secret epiphany, a momentary glimpse into a private room. God in Jesus was born for this. He is here to be about his Father's business. And that business is to save our lives by giving his. Point two, I think the story also tells us a little something about ourselves, or at least about me. The boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. Assuming that he was in the group of travelers, they went a day's journey. And when they'd found him, they did not understand what he said to them. I think Mary and Joseph at least hint at something about us. Like Mary and Joseph, we are quick to lose the thread, to make assumptions about where Jesus is, where he's going, and then to misunderstand when Jesus course corrects. Well, to be sure, this is nothing new. This has been going on for a long time. Uh, Russell Saltzman wrote an article um, for the online magazine Alatea called, What Was Wrong with the Disciples? And he says this, Wherever else the, the, uh, the Gospels may disagree, in detail or timing, even in the actors involved, they always agree on the extent of the thick-headed obtuseness of the disciples, their inability to understand. The thick-headed obtuseness, inability to understand. That's why our job is always to keep looking for Jesus. Like his parents, keep looking. That's our part in the domestic drama, to stay as close to Jesus as we possibly can. I've told this story for so long, I can't even remember where I first heard it. But it's a, it's a little parable, and it sort of inverts uh, the story that we read today. And in this parable, it's actually uh, a son that loses track of a father. So the story goes that their father and his son are traveling together in a wagon. They come to the edge of a forest, and there's some bushes on the side of the trail. They're thick with berries, and they catch the child's eye. And the little boy says, Father, may we stop and so I can pick some berries? And the father was anxious to complete his journey, but he didn't have it in his heart to refuse his child this request. So he called the, the wagon to a halt, and then the son alighted to pick the berries. After a few minutes, 5, 10, 15, the father wants to continue on his way, but the son is so engrossed in berry picking that he couldn't bring himself to leave. So the father cries out, son, we can't stay here all day. We must continue on our journey. But even the father's pleas were not enough to lure the boy away. So what could the father do? Surely, the father in the story loved his son no less for acting like a child and wanting to pick the berries. But surely also he wouldn't think of leaving him. What would he do? This is how it ends. The, son calls out to, uh, the father calls out to his son, you may pick your berries for a while longer, but be sure you are still able to find me 
for I shall start moving slowly along the road. As you work, call out, Father, Father, every few minutes, and I shall answer you. As long as you can hear my voice, know that I am still nearby. But as soon as you can no longer hear my answer, know that you are lost and run with all your strength to find me. The part that we play in the domestic drama is to take our assumptions about God and hold them up to the light of Jesus, which is how we know what the Father is about in the first place. So as we start 2022, look intently for Jesus where you know that He is, about His Father's business of saving lost things, ourselves, chief among them. Listen for His voice and run with all your strength to find the one who came to find us, the one who came at Christmas. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.